Support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Campus Radio, a student-operated, non-commercial radio station. KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in anytime to KUST at Mixler.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Rolling presented by Tommy Media. On today's show, we talk about St. Thomas's Division I invitation to the Summit League. We bring in St. Thomas women's soccer players Tessa Treadle and Sarah Pasternak to discuss their season, and we talk about California's new NCAA payment law. Jacob, Carly, episode two. It is. We're back already. Yeah, we're back and we are ready. Are you excited? I'm excited. This is a good this is a good episode because we have a lot to cover. Yeah, there's been a lot going on in the past week for St. Thomas Sports and Minnesota Sports. What's new though? That's always the case. What's new? Well, St. Thomas received a Division One invite to the Summit League. Wanna dig in? Sure. This was a big deal last Friday, I believe. Yeah, it was last Friday that this was announced to the school. Um, the university was the students and faculty were all made aware of this by an email by President Sullivan. And when I saw it, I heard about it right before the email came out, and I was honestly shocked. Me too, honestly, because typical NCAA laws, you know, there's the transition from D2 to D3 to D2 to D1. You don't really see a skip from D3 to D1 at all. So seeing the offer extended, I was like, this is really cool. But also, how is this possible? And I guess we can elaborate on that and how it is possible, Carly. Right. So let's just bring it back a little bit. We were involuntarily removed from the MIAC last May because the the conference said that we were our athletic competitive part parity in the conference as a reason. So basically we were just dominant in our conference and they brought in a lot of factors. They brought in our enrollment. They brought in the fact that our football team is really good. They brought in just the fact that we are dominant overall. So we were involuntarily removed from the MIAC and we have to leave in the spring, after the spring of 2021. So yeah. it's not until effect yet, but... So we still have a whole other year in the Maya conference following the conclusion of this season. Right. So this is a new option for us because we were either going to have to go to a new Division Three league or Division Two. Nobody thought we'd be going right from D3 no. to Division One. You know, everybody was thinking, you know, the WIAC with Eau Claire, Lacrosse, mm-hmm. Superior. Right. And now we see this offer on the table, and it's kind of exciting to think that St. Thomas, a uh, school who was D3 this year, yep. could become a D1 school in a few years. Right. So basically, the NCAA has to approve this waiver right. that was given to them. And a fun fact about this is that that has never happened before. No Division three school has ever jumped right to Division One. Really? So this, yep, that... This would be the first time something like that has ever happened. So what are the odds? We don't know. What I've heard, rumor has it that, I mean, there's a possibility, and it's a hopeful possibility, and if it does get approved, that's where we're going, it sounds like. So, Carly, the Summit League, what teams are in the conference and how close are they to St. Thomas vicinity-wise? Well, they're not very close, Jacob. Um, We have Denver, North Dakota, North Dakota State, Nebraska-Omaha, Oral Roberts, Purdue-Fort Wayne, South Dakota, South Dakota State, and Western Illinois. So, so those are not mid, a lot of Midwestern teams, at least. Right, there are a lot of Midwestern, but travel is flights. Yeah, and it's 
travel means more expenses. Mm -hmm. It means, you know, there's a lot of things that come with D1. Right. Besides the fact that you're moving to D1, you're also going to have to introduce the idea of, of giving student-athletes scholarships. You're going to have to introduce um, more funding for athletics in general here at St. Thomas because eventually there's probably going to need to be renovations done to uh, some of the fields. Oh, absolutely. Because you look at the soccer fields down on South Campus, there's no lights. They there's, can't have night games. There's not enough seating. No, there's not. Our football field, I think, is the only thing as of right now that qualifies that would have enough seating. But our basketball court... The arena has not enough seating. Our men's and women's hockey teams, they share an arena with St. Thomas Academy High School, so they would have to have their own um, arena. So that would definitely be a lot of funding to build a new basketball arena and hockey arena. You mentioned football and hockey. Mm -hmm. From what I've gathered here, the Summit League does not have a, a conference for football. We do not, or for men's and women's ice hockey. So that would be something that is a bit of a concern, but... As they've said, they're willing to, if we do move, make this jump and it gets approved, they will have to find a conference for our football team, and there are options for that. Um, and same with men's and women's ice hockey. So. so the Star Tribune, they reported that St. Thomas is considering the Pioneer League or the Missouri Valley Conference for football, and four Summit League members, including North Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota, and South Dakota State, currently compete in the Missouri Valley Conference in football. You know, mm -hmm. how does this kind of work? You know, what do you think that transition would be like having some of your uh, some of your teams in one conference and then some in another? Does that create a gap between the sports, or is that just I the feel way like, it's going to have to happen? I feel like it's if we're going to do this, it's just the way we're going to have to go about it. It's either that or we don't play football and we don't play hockey, and that those are two of our biggest sports at this mm -hmm. school. So I, obviously that's not a good route to go. So obviously they're going to have to go into another conference and honestly probably do what North Dakota and South Dakota do, which is play for this conference. So it looks like Oral Roberts and Nebraska-Omaha, um, for example, they don't field football teams. Correct. St. Thomas, that wouldn't be a possibility. F football is debatably one of the biggest sports here on campus. Coach Caruso mm -hmm. is a fantastic coach. He leads the program every year. And you know, St. Thomas is known for their football program. I don't think fe not fielding a football team is a possibility here. So as the Star Tribune reported, they're going to have to look at a different uh, conference for football and then men's and women's ice hockey. Right. There is a lot of steps that will go into this if this goes through. Plus, there's talk about Augustana is trying to get into the Summit League. Sure. So this is a big story that's probably going to come out within the next week. Augustana is going to try to – they've submitted an application to the Summit League. So that's another school that's wanting to come in. And then – um, Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne, they're trying to get out. Okay. So the dynamic is just so up in the air right now with the Summit League. I can't even imagine what's going on at their office right now. Yeah. <laughs> because their commissioner's got to be I'm sure so dealing with people wanting to come in, people wanting to come out, something like us going from Division Three to Division One. There is just so much going on right now that there's a lot that's to come in the next few weeks and months. Mm -hmm. So we're talking um, football right now, but also for St. Thomas, in a week and a half, it's debatably our biggest football game of the season. Tommy Johnny, St. Thomas, St. John's. What do you think would happen if St. Thomas were to move to, say, the Missouri uh, Valley Conference for football? Does the Tommy Johnny game still exist, or how does this work? Because St. Thomas would be a D1 football program, whereas St. John's would remain D3. It's a historic Con it's a historic battle between the two schools, and it's iconic, you know? Right. You think D3 football rivalries, you think St. Thomas, St. John's, right away. I know, and it's almost something like I wish that even if we were to move to a different conference, I wish we could play them in a non-conference game because you get non-conference games. But playing them from a Division One team and a Division Three yeah. team, I just, I don't know. It's such a big deal. 
So here's a thought, Carly. You know, Tommy Johnny is one of the biggest rivalries. I just mentioned that. How about this? Tommy Gophers. There'd be two one <laughs> football teams in St. Paul, Paul, Minneapolis area. Tommy the Gophers. University of Minnesota and St. Thomas. You know, they're two competing schools for right. every One's private, one's public. Uh, the U of M is one of the biggest schools in the nation. They have a huge undergrad population. Mm-hmm. St. Thomas is sitting at like 6,000 right now. Right. Whereas the U is pushing 40 plus. I know that. How would you how would you react to seeing TCF Bank Stadium filled for St. Thomas versus the University of Minnesota? I think that'd be really cool. Um, it would be so different than what yeah, we're used to. Really um, I don't know. This whole dynamic of us going Division One is just a hard concept to like realize that we could yeah. be playing Division One teams like the University of Notre Dame, teams that are really good. Like we could play Alabama, Clemson. I mean, it's not like we're going to, but like Nixon. the thought that we could. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like, oh my gosh, this is just like so surreal. Um, a Tommy Gopher game. I mean, I would definitely go. That'd be so cool. Yeah, at TCF. Yeah, but. We'll see. We'll see, Jacob. I don't know. So we're talking about our reactions here, but how did the school react? How did students react? What did you see from colleagues, classmates, faculty members on Friday? On Friday, there was a lot of shock, but then from athletes, they were all like, oh, Division One, like I'm a Division One athlete type of thing, especially for those who are still freshmen and it will affect them their senior year. Um, sophomore, freshmen, sophomores, no, not, uh, not necessarily sophomores. It's juniors and seniors won't be affected at all. But those younger classmen are like, oh, I could potentially be making this jump my senior year to Division One, And they're all, like, really excited, but they're also concerned about how is this going to go? Am I going to get cut? Am I, I going to get, gonna get cut? Recruiting processes. Is the coach going to be here? Stuff like that. So I feel like that is something that those athletes that will be affected by it, are like wondering but from fans at Saturday's game against Concordia Moorhead they at the homecoming game they were all very supportive of it positive they think it's a really good opportunity and something that St. Thomas can take a bad situation of us getting kicked out of the Mayak and make something good out of it and make history while doing it if this does come become a thing so it's been good I haven't heard anything really too negative from people that have talked to me but I'm sure there's there's both sides so I don't know what have you heard um I was at work on Friday when the news broke I was working in the kitchen in the Anderson Student Center up in the catering department and I see this notification on my phone uh and I'm sitting here like what this is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, my immediate thought, because you know how big of a soccer fan I am, right. that we're, this will be the first time Minnesota's ever had a D1 men's soccer team. You know, the the Gophers have a women's soccer team, and mm-hmm. they're incredible. They excel every season. But this will be the first time there's ever been a men's program at the D1 level. And right. for me, that's really exciting. You know, I go to some Gopher games every year. They're thrilling to watch. But to add on top of that, more D1 programs in soccer, you know, it's just exciting. You know, the jump to D1, the thought of it, is you know it's cool it's just thinking i go to st thomas right now 25 years from now (laughs) you know i'm sitting there with my family and i'm watching st thomas versus alabama in the national championship you know it's a thought that goes through your head right away right you know that st thomas could become one of the best programs in the north in the in the country you know if they dedicate themselves to the d1 conference Mm -hmm. it's a fun thought it yeah. is a fun thought, and it'll be super interesting to see where we go. There are so many questions still because we obviously have to wait for the NCAA approval. If they don't approve it, where are we going to go? This is just a huge it's all thing. Yeah. So if we do not go to the Summit League and the NCAA does not approve it, 
Apparently, we do have a D2 offer to the Northern Sun Conference. Um, also, there's the WIAC. The WIAC really wants us in Wisconsin. But my, I'm just wondering, like, why not the WIAC? Are we just wanting to go more competitive? Or? Well, here, here you go. You know, maybe they don't want to go to the WIAC because of the fact that it's a lot more travel expenses mm-hmm. at a D3 level. If you go That's true. D, if you go D1 and you make those travel expenses, there's going to be a lot more sponsorships. Yep. There's going to be a donors, lot more yeah. donors. Donors. NCAA has to give you more money. Yep. Yeah. yeah. If you stay at D3 and you, you do those travel expenses, that might not be a... Right. Probable, because, you know, you're looking at every single sport in this conference traveling that far. That's just so much. And then another thing about Division One is just like what we talked about before, the facilities. Another option for us, instead of building, if we don't have the money or space around here to build, we can rent facilities. Because some teams, like Hamlin's baseball team, they mm-hmm. rent the St. Paul Saint. They, they don't rent it. They play at the St. Paul Saint Stadium. So that's another option. Because our baseball diamond isn't big enough for seating Division One either. It's very big enough for seating Division Three. Exactly. So there are options like that. Would it, but, like, would it be us renting out Target Field, U.S. Bank? Like, All what? Exactly. Allianz. There's so many places. For, XL for hockey. But, like, that would be so expensive, too. So there's so many factors that go into this and so many questions. I think so many people are wondering about these things, but honestly, nobody has the answers yet, and it's so, just going to be a waiting game. Yeah, those answers are going to come, and I'm pretty sure that you and I are going to stay on top of it to oh, the yes. best of our ability. Tommy Media will be on top of this story the whole way. You know, and it's going to be fun. We've got a team dedicated to it, mm-hmm. and moving forward, it's going to be fun, it's going right. to be exciting, and we're going to bring the best coverage possible for all of our listeners and viewers. We will. And up next, we're going to bring out some of our athletes. We're not going to talk to them about this because they can't really say much about it. I mean, they do have opinions, they do have stuff, but we're going to talk to the women's soccer team because they've been having an outstanding season, and I'm excited to talk to them. I'm excited to talk to them, too. You know, there's a really cool stat about the women's soccer team I just want to share before they come on. They had, at one point this season, they had 12 different goal scorers in 12 consecutive goals. How cool is that? That's really cool. All right, so let's bring in our guest, Carly. Here we go. The number 20 St. Thomas women's soccer team defeated a once-beaten Bethel team in a 2-1 to victory on Sunday, and they've now moved to 3-1 and in the MIAC. Junior forward Tessa Treadle was named MIAC Athlete of the Week after scoring both goals to help defeat Bethel. Goalkeeper Sarah Pasternak was named MIAC Soccer Player of the Week three weeks ago, but on top of that was voted D3 Soccer Player of the Week on a national scale following a 12-save performance. We welcome both of these athletes to the show today. Welcome to Keep the Ball Rolling, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. You guys excited to be here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big time. So we'll start with Sarah, and you know we'll just go into some questions now. Uh, your team defeated Bethel at home on Sunday, ending their 12-game regular season home game win streak. You did it in overtime. How does a win like this help your team? Um, it definitely helps us get back on track with our winning streak. Um, it was just an exciting overall win, so I think that helps our team confidence going forward. All right, and Tessa, what does uh, the team is undefeated in every game where you've scored this season. Is that some sort of stat you're proud of, or is that just a coincidence on the field, or what's that about? I feel like it's a cool stat, but also if we're not scoring, we're not on the board to win anyways. So I think that it's kind of crucial to have a goal up, whether it be from me or from someone else, too. So. You've tallied six on the season now. You, what do you, what's your goal? What's your benchmark this year? I don't really know. I Double digits, hopefully, somewhere past 10. That'd be cool. 
Tessa, you just earned a Mayak Player of the Week. How does that feel? What is that honor like for you? I think it's cool um, just to be recognized, but it's kind of like an overall team thing. Like I received the pass and was set up in the right spot. If that wouldn't have happened, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten that award. So. Well, how was playing a team like Bethel who had, they had a really good record going into playing you guys. What was that like to have such a big win? I think that um, it just, like Sarah said, boosts our confidence a lot because they are one of the top teams in the Mayak and they're always super fun to play. Um, they're also on grass, and so that's something new that we get to experience. Right. But overall, just boosts our confidence a little and just helps us get back on track for winning. What's the difference between playing on turf and grass for you guys? The ball moves a little slower for the grass, and the grass is um, more slippery since it had just rained the day before. Mm -hmm. okay. Sarah, you were voted uh, D3 Player of the Week on a national scale a few weeks ago. What does that kind of mean to you the, to receive that honor? Um, it was definitely like a good feeling to have gotten that, but um, I don't know. I think it was the perfect game to – it was like the setup for it. It was good to have a good game, and I couldn't have done it with everybody else too. Like our defense, honestly, was super great that game – and we just played a super awesome team, so. I used to play a little goalie myself, and you know, I, I, was, I was like five, six save was good. 12 saves in a game, you know, how does that happen? Uh, it happens by letting them shoot <laughs> a lot. And then just, honestly, I was, I had the mentality that like, I was not gonna let myself make, a, let them score or make a mistake. Like I had high standards for myself that game. How long have you been playing goalkeeper? Um, since I was like nine. Really? Yeah, it's been a long time. Have you ever played a different position or is that just your one and only? Um, I mean, I had it as like a child, but mm -hmm. yeah, since I was nine, I really stuck with it. But do you ever get like scared though? I feel like... Honestly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, not really of the ball, but mm -hmm. if someone's running at me. Running at you, yeah. yeah. It's a little scary. <laughs> oh my gosh, I believe it. So either of you can answer this or both of you. Each year, the women's soccer team, the program has quite a bit of success. What do you think it is that sets your team and program apart from other schools, in the MIAC or just in general? Team chemistry. Yeah, I 100% agree. What do you guys do for like team bonding activities? We have pasta feeds. We get together like outside of practice. We sometimes have practices that are just dedicated to um, team bonding and just getting to know each other better. Mm -hmm. We also um, have a buddy system kind of like you know, an older person, mm -hmm. like either an upperclassman and then an underclassman. So um, you get to know each class. And I feel like when we're playing together and all just um, hanging out, you can't tell the difference between like a freshman and a senior. We're all just honestly like one big family. So mm -hmm. I think that the chemistry carries over onto the field. Sarah, you can vouch on that as well. Mm -hmm, for sure. That, um, we're not a team that tears each other down. Um, if we're frustrated during the game or if we're losing, we're, we always pick each other up and we don't really tolerate um, negativity on the field or off the field. Yeah, and I think that comes from, like, great leadership. Like, I know since Tessa and I were freshmen, we had some really great seniors that we do affirmations every week. So we pick a name out of a bag, and th that's the person we have to focus on and then compliment them at the end of the week of, like, what we saw from them that was positive. And our coach, too, just thinks it's super important important to have that team chemistry so it just carries through year after year that's good to see so team chemistry was something I noticed I covered the team a lot last season and I actually traveled uh, to the cross with you guys for the NCAA tournament I covered that um, entire weekend 
the season ended kind of at heartbreak for you guys in a penalty shootout. The loss hurt. I could see it on all your faces. But do you feel like that kind of fueled you guys for this season going into the 2019-20 season? Did a loss like that kind of just make you excited to get back on the field for the following season? I think we have big goals, yes, from especially that game. Just we're a team and we hate losing. Um, and so if we do, we always just come back next day ready to practice, new attitude. And I think that we carried kind of that fire from um, losing to lacrosse um, into our first games of the season, which helped us beat Wash U. So do you guys have any postseason goals this year? Is there like a, a make or break or you, a goal you guys want to reach? I think we just want to make it farther than we did last year, and I think we can make it far past that. Um, so just as far as we can, I think we have a great team this year that can really pull through. Lastly, we have a fun question for you guys. Um, what is Who is your favorite pro soccer player and why? I like Julie Ertz. She's just so cool, mm -hmm. and I feel like she's super physical. Um, and... Yeah, I just really look up to her. She's a super fast player. She's super physical. She gets in on the plays. And she's just kind of an all-around cool person outside of soccer as well. So. I recently have really enjoyed watching Rose Lavelle play. Yeah. She's from Wisconsin, so I'm like a Wisconsin fan, so that's a little why. But I think she's super creative. And I don't know, I wouldn't put her like look at her and see like a professional athlete but she does really great things and creates a lot of good stuff on the field did either of you get an opportunity to go see the women's national team play at Allianz Field about a month ago we all did we went as a team that's so exciting we were, like, behind the net too it was awesome what was that like was it cool yeah I was starstruck <laughs> I was like what I didn't, like expect to be so starstruck and they all walked out on the field and I was like wow that's so cool yeah it was awesome speaking of all in field we now have a professional soccer team in Minnesota that's made the MLS playoffs Minnesota United has a big game in two weeks how exciting is it to have a professional soccer team a mile away from your school but also in the playoffs this year I think it's exciting, new, like a new thing to go watch, kind of, new stadium, new venue, pretty cool. Yeah, it's always good to watch some professional soccer. All right, well, thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for coming in, ladies. Thank you for having us. Thanks for us. having us. Good luck on the rest of your guys' season. Thanks. Thanks. St. Thomas's transition to D1, how there could be a lot of things to happen. So, Carly, um, as we were talking earlier about St. Thomas's possible transition to D1, all the complications and consequences, positive or negative, that could come with it, there's a lot of things going on in the, D in the D1 realm right now. And one of the biggest things is how the state of California passed their Fair Pay to Play Act by uh, Governor Ga Gavin Newsom. And the bill now allows college students to hire agents and make money from endorsements. What's your immediate thought on that? I don't really like that idea, honestly, because that's what professional athletes are for. I feel as if I've read articles, and I think this is true, that college student athletes go to school to get their degree while they're playing their sport. Obviously, some college athletes, Division One especially, have the dream to go professional, and that's what they want to do for their living, which is so cool, but they can get a degree while doing that. I feel like this, getting paid and having endorsements, is honestly taken away from school because these students are just making money from that right away that they're not probably going to be focused on their studies. Do you feel like it kind of just takes away the whole quote-unquote college experience of yes. how to get a job on campus, paying for your work study, 
paying your way through college? Is that kind of what you're... Kind of, yeah. And it's just taking away from the fact that, like, they will not be focusing as much, I don't think, on school. It'll be more like, oh, I need to get this person to sign me an endorsement deal, or I need an agent to get me this deal, like, that type of stuff. The focus mm -hmm. is just going to shift. It's it's going to be like a professional athlete. It's but like clothing deals, snow right. deals, you know. Like big brands, powder. big brands like, like Coca-Cola and Nike and stuff like that. Like, I feel like it's just, I don't know. It should probably stay in the professional sports so, world. That money, though, it's not going to be coming from the college. Right. That, they made that clear right away. And that's what was interesting. At first, I thought, why is the school going to do that? But then... It's just the state of California. Right. Any school within the state of California at the D1 level mm -hmm. will... Any athlete will be able to basically brand themselves for their image and likability. Right. You know, and looking at that, do you feel like that gives schools like UCLA, Stanford, San Diego State... Are there, is there now an incentive to go to those schools if you're... a a senior in high school and you have an offer from them say UCLA versus Las Vegas right. one's in Nevada and one's in LA you know they're not that far apart right. but one you now have the ability to go there and make money off of your image do you think there's an incentive to go there definitely since that is the only state as of right now obviously other states are going to get the idea that now that this has been in place that they're going to try to do this in their own state but as of right now Students are definitely going to want to go to these bigger schools in California if they're getting paid. Students are, but however, there's a lot of backlash from mm -hmm. um, former athletes, from adults, from people like the NCAA commissioner. Yeah, the NCAA commissioner is not even a fan and thinks it's sort of a violation as to how college athletes should maintain their ability to still be kids, which it's true. You know, I, I kind of agree with you. and I, I'm like a 50-50. Yeah. I look at it and I say the amount of work that they put in for their to get their bodies in the shape, to get them ready for their sport. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's, maybe a scholarship to the school is sometimes not enough. Maybe right. you should be able to make a little money off of it. But to be able to brand yourself and say, sign yourself with a Nike shoe deal where you make $2 million a season before you even go to the pros, mm -hmm. you know, that's crazy money. You know, that's, they don't know what to do with it at that age. If exactly. I had that much money right now, Carly, I would have <laughs> no idea what to do with it. I know. It's it's insane, but I guess we'll see where this goes because it honestly won't take place until 2023. So it's not something that we have to worry about right now, but it's definitely a possibility. So there was one similar case to what's going on in California right now with an athlete from Central Florida. Uh, let me talk about that real quick. So Donald De La Haye, a former University of Central Florida kicker for the football team, had his sc football scholarship taken away by the university in 2017 due to the fact that he was generating money from his YouTube channel. Hmm. You know, the NCAA determined that his videos were a violation of eligibility rules, according um, to the Orlando Sentinel. So that's the one case that I know of that kind of correlates with what we're talking about here. Okay. You know, he was making money off of, uh, off of his videos on YouTube. He was posting these outrageous kicks. You know, he's making them from 70 yards. Yeah. But then he was also doing trick shots with, you know, behind the heel, behind the back, you know, and it, it was cool. Mm -hmm. But he was making money off of it, and the NCAA said, no, you can't do that. That's a violation of contract. And the guy lost his scholarship. That, you know, it, it, that kind of sucks. You know, you go into a school to be an athlete, and you think, I'm, I'm the D1 kicker. You mm -hmm. know, this is, this is so cool. Yeah. And you get your scholarship taken away. You know, now you have to worry about money. Money becomes a problem for um, that athlete. Right. You know, maybe it wasn't before, maybe it was. But with this new law passed in California, if a case like that were to happen, that athlete wouldn't have to worry about it because exactly. 
that athlete could make money off of his kicking videos. He could make money off of his image and likability. So, you know, there are cases that kind of say this, this could be a good thing, but also you have to be wary of it because people our age right. don't know what to do with that much money. And I feel like if this does go through and D1 athletes can't get paid, there's going to have to be rules and limits set by the NCAA mm -hmm. as to how much money they're making or who they're making money from because otherwise this is going to be free reign. It's going to be just like the professional sports world. So now I have a question for you. Does this make them employees? Do these students become employees? Do they become one of the stigma in society now? Well, if they're making money, <laughs> I think so. I mean, it's not like they're trying. They're obviously there to be athletes and they're there to go to school. But when this is a determining factor that's weighing in on their life, obviously they're going to feel a little more pressure, I feel like. They're going to feel like they have to perform well. If they're endorsed by a big sponsor, like with a big sponsorship and a big company, if they don't play well, they're going to get that taken away. And like, as a young adult, as an 18-year-old, going into college and say you don't perform well one game and a, an endorsement sponsor takes that away from you, like, that's just going to bring people's confidence down. I feel like there's so many things that weigh into this, and it's going to put a lot of pressure on the athletes for sure. So in general, there's going to be a lot more news coming out of this in the mm -hmm. coming weeks, coming months, I imagine, because I highly doubt that California is going to be the only state um, thinking about, you know, making this an official uh, statewide law. Right. So, you know, moving forward, though, there's a lot of talk about St. Thomas, the D1. There's a lot of talk about D1 athletes. But let's move on to the pros for a second. You know, Minnesota sports, there were two, uh, two big moments this past week. Right. You want to talk about what happened with the Minnesota Twins, Carly? They lost a heartbreaker. They did. It was the Yankees again. Yep. Again. Again. And again. <laughs> and again. And again and again. Yep. You know, since 2003, uh, the Minnesota Twins have just terrible luck against the Yankees in the playoffs. I would we, not want to play them ever again. No, you don't. <laughs> Especially not in the playoffs. No, I mean, it was our season. It was Bamba's yep. season, you know. Yep. There was all the hype about it, you know, going in there. We lose game one. We're like, okay, we still got this. You lose game two. You're like, okay, I still have hope. Go to game three at home at Target Field and... Sixth inning, you're down 2-0, and you're like, okay. It was Season's really cool. over. <laughs> we broke the home run record. Let's, let's applaud that. Yep. You know? It was a cool run. But on top of the Twins, Minnesota United officially earned a home playoff game. Okay. And it'll be played on October 20th, the day after Tommy Johnny football game at Allianz Field. Is there going to be a, any effect? Ooh. That, Jacob, our worker. Carly, I, I don't know on that one because yeah. the field is being replaced. Before With new turf, correct? Brand new turf. Yep. You know, it's going to be fresh. It's going to be clean. But also, I don't know how a football game is going to affect brand new turf 24 hours before a crucial home playoff. What time is that game at on that Sunday? 7.30 p.m. Okay. So, it's gonna, so they have time Sunday. 27 hours after the Tommy Johnny game right. will end, well, Minnesota United will kick off against the LA Galaxy. And, uh, you know, there's a good chance a lot of people don't know him, but world-renowned soccer players, Latan Ibrahimovic, is the star of the LA Galaxy, you know. Swedish international, he's played at basically every big club you could imagine for in Europe. He's 38 years old, but he's mm -hmm. the second-leading scorer in the league, and Minnesota United has to host him in the first round. So it's going to be a big game. It's a big game, you know. He's one of the best goal scorers in the league. You're going to have to shut him down. And in the playoffs, going against an icon, somebody who's legendary in the soccer community, in the mm -hmm. soccer world, it's a tough draw at home. You know, if they win, then they have to travel to L.A. to face the other team from L.A., La Los Angeles FC, the number one team in the league. 
So, Minnesota United, if they can get past these first two rounds, they mm-hmm. can beat anybody in this league. Will you be at that game covering it? Yeah, I'll be covering it for MLSsoccer.com. Okay. Well, you keep us updated on that. Uh, you know I will. Gosh, I'm so excited. Our right. home playoff game for Minnesota United, Carly. Who'd have thought? Your favorite. Your favorite team ever. Yep. Is that your favorite Minnesota team? Oh, by far. You know, Is your favorite team ever? Okay, I, I, I don't know about that one. Okay. I'm a big Chelsea fan. And okay. Club out of London for soccer. Okay. They're top two for sure. Sounds good. Well, keep us updated on that, Jacob. I will. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. Stay tuned to TommyMedia.com for full St. Thomas sports coverage. And, of course, more Keep the Ball Rolling episodes to come. For Jacob Schneider, I'm Carly Noble.